0: You're listening to The Branches HB Podcast. All right. Thank you, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Can we give it up for the mothers in this room and out there on the patio. You know, uh, typically, in a typical year, we'd be having, you know, the photo booth, the flowers, all the fix-ins. And I've got to say, you know, four weeks into just making sure this even happens, we don't have those fix-ins this year. And in fact, I've got to let you know, families, we do not have enough volunteers to host children's ministry at 830 next week. So if you want to RSVP your kids to be involved in the children's ministry, you got to come to the 1030. And by the way, please help, because we'd like to offer a children's ministry at both the 830 and the 1030. And that can happen if we all just sign up to serve once a month. But back to mothers, okay? I just want to take a second to acknowledge you, because I see how much you do from my vantage point. In fact, underneath my roof, my mother-in-law lives with me. She's lived with me for a couple of years now. And my mom, actually, and father are living in a back house that I just built uh, for two to three weeks out of the uh, month. So, uh, you know, some of you might say to me, how do you live in a situation like that? And I think, how could I live without them being in this situation? Like, they make my world turn. And on top of that, I've got my amazing wife who, you know, is mothering five children she is working she is homeschooling she is somehow getting here on time every week without my assistance and i know that those are similar responsibilities that so many of you carry And we also have what i want to acknowledge is spiritual mothers and spiritual grandmothers in this community who are stepping in to fill in the gap of what some people have experienced in their life i mean there is true family happening here that isn't just bound by our biology, okay? It's something that God is doing, and I wanna thank you, spiritual mothers and grandmothers, as well this morning. Again, I feel from my perspective that you guys keep this world turning with your love, your sacrifice, the maternal care that you offer. And so I just wanna pray a blessing over all the mothers, spiritual mothers, grandmothers, spiritual grandmothers in this space. Could we just pray together? And if you're seated next to your mom or your wife or whatever, would you place a hand? on that individual uh, representing, you know, my hand upon, my blessing upon these mothers this morning. Lord God, we just acknowledge right now that uh, some mothers are just carrying the responsibility and the load of all these different hats that they're wearing, all these different things that are demands in their life. And Lord, what they need most of all, and what they need in these coming days is your empowerment and energy. So God, we pray a blessing that you would enable them to handle what each day brings to them, moment to moment. Would they not necessarily think about the future, but would they be carried along by you in everything that they're facing just this day? Lord, I pray grace over these mothers and the mental games that go on today in society, The, the pressure of perfectionism and comparison in our culture that is just overwhelming Lord Jesus, you have given us grace. You are empowering these mothers, grandmothers, spiritual mothers, spiritual grandmothers in your grace. Would they know it abundantly that in everything they lack, Lord, you love them and you are guiding them toward fullness, your vision for their life. Lord, I pray healing over broken relationships. This day represents pain for some because of broken relationships with mothers, with children. Lord, would you bring increasing healing this day. Lord, would you provide your presence to comfort those who are experiencing lack and loss, because we know that this day represents that for many as well. So would your presence be with them. And Lord, would we all experience what true family is all about in the fellowship that we enjoy with one another. Bless these mothers on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So just the same as I acknowledge the mothers in this space. Kids, go acknowledge your mothers, all right? Pray for them. Write them a card if you haven't done that yet, We're appropriate. You know, let's follow in this uh, throughout this entire day. You know, I want to remind you guys to please tune in tomorrow night for the State of the Church update, because it's very important for us to not just kind of throw in a financial update in two minutes on a Sunday or take over the preaching of the Word to just give you a full update. We set aside this time so that we can be transparent, invite you into exactly what's going on, and it's been an interesting year, and we're in an interesting place. We We've got some obstacles in front of us but incredible opportunities in front of us as well. in fact we're going to be announcing a brand new ministry that is being founded out of this humble fellowship uh, that I think is going to be very momentous for the role of the church in this city, the role of the big C church in this city. In fact I was in a meeting on Friday with three of the city council members, the city manager as well as many other city leaders talking about this work that we are helping to launch in partnership with other churches. You're going to hear about it for the first time, yes, tomorrow night, okay? So listen in, 6.30 p.m., brancheshb.com live. I'm going to be live. I'm going to be taking your questions, okay? This is, again, a, a church of dialogue and conversation. If you have curiosities about anything that's going on, I can sit there and answer those questions no matter how tough they may be. And guess what? If you can't get to that live showing at 6.30 p.m. and instead you decide to watch it instead of Netflix at 8.30 p.m., uh, you can still ask me questions. The best way to reach out to me is through email. If you guys ask me something about what's going on in this church community, I follow up with you. I will give you a call. We will have a dialogue. And I just want to you know, affirm and dignify wherever it is you're coming from because this is a church body together. It isn't just staff, it isn't just leadership, it's not just me, it's all of us together functioning as the body of Christ. And we're going to find that in our teaching this morning. So let's open up to Romans chapter 12. This is our second to last teaching in this series, Spirituality, and then we're going to be going back into the Gospel of Matthew. Last week I introduced the topic of spiritual gifts by looking at two of the most contentious gifts and defining them in greater detail. We talked about tongues and prophecy but really that was just the context for us in 1 Corinthians 14 to talk about the nature of spirituality in general. And what we found is that the Spirit of God is shepherding all of us, all different people, all different personalities to this one united goal of Christlikeness, to this pathway toward the most excellent way which is the holy love of God the character of God he grounds the ungrounded and he moves the unmoved and he brings us all to that united goal and so that was what the message was really about even as the gifts made an appearance but it really set a framework and a foundation for this broader survey of spiritual gifts that we're going to go through today Again, we're going to go through a couple places in the scriptures, but let's focus here, first of all, on Romans chapter 12. We're going to start reading in verse 3. For by the grace given me, Paul says, I say to every one of you in the church, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Let's pause there, okay? We're going to go a couple other places, like I said, but here we go. We're starting our survey of the spiritual gifts. And here, in Romans chapter 12, as in other places where Paul references the variety of spiritual gifts... He starts by qualifying the conversation to make sure that this conversation doesn't devolve into some sort of spiritual pecking order where we figure out who is superior to everyone else. He says in verse three, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but with sober judgment. Now, why does he have to say that? Because some of us are naturally gonna think in our humanness that what we bring to the table in our uniqueness is more valuable than what everyone else brings. I don't know if you've ever encountered this in one of those like, horrifying team building exercises. I don't know if you ever been in a staff team or in some community building thing and they give you a, a team building exercise and everyone's like, oh no, and you gotta build the largest tower out of the newspaper or something. And of course, you know some of these groups just are disasters, right? They're a lesson in what it looks like to not be a team because everyone brings what they think is the only way to do it, And, of course, it's self-defeating in those groups. They can't work together. And that's some fellowships. That's some denominations in Christianity. They'll lift up one particular gift. They'll say, this is the way to all spirituality. If we all just speak in tongues, that's the gateway. If we do that one thing, everything else is going to fall into place. Or they'll do that with the gift of teaching on on another side of the spectrum. Right? They say, oh, all you got to do is just teach, 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 teach. And if we just teach... And everything is going to fall into its right place. But the church, the assembly of God's people is not comprised of one person and is not comprised of any one particular gift at all. That concept would be an abomination to Paul in the way that he views the church. Paul reminds the church, as he did in 1 Corinthians, that as the united body of Christ, they rely on all the various functions of all the different members of of that one united body. You know, when I was driving my El Camino through New Mexico on a two-lane highway, and this is just a picturesque scene if you can imagine it, and I was leaving school, you know, in Kansas, and I do think at the time I had a mullet, and it was not fashionable, okay? It was just a mullet, and if you could just picture me, you know, cruising down that two-lane highway in the El Camino, man, that was a great moment, until one part of the engine failed me. A very insignificant part of the engine, if you take it away from the rest of the engine, it's just a little piece of rubber. It's a gasket. It's called the head gasket. And you could have all the different parts of the engine functioning perfectly. They were functioning beautifully, right? I'm cruising. Until that one little part of the engine gave way. And it's the cheapest, most insignificant part on its own. But it's placed in the most difficult to access area of the engine so that It's the most expensive job, almost, when you're repairing an engine. So without that part, all the oil was expelled from the engine, and it didn't matter. All these great parts that were functioning so perfectly, they came to a grinding halt. And in fact, that one part, somewhere deep in that engine, being fixed, was worth more than the entire car. So I left it on the side of the road in Tucumcari, New Mexico. It may still be there. No, I set it up to be towed. I got a check for 50 bucks in the mail from the... Trash place. But anyway, in that scenario with the engine, what part of the engine is the most valuable? Can you say that any one particular part is more valuable than the others? If you've got this cheap, insignificant part, yeah, sure, separately it's not worth much, but you put it into the rest of the engine and it suddenly becomes very significant. And that's the same thing that's being conveyed in these teachings. How can there be a spiritual pecking order in the church of who's more valuable than who? When I depend on the functioning of you in this body, and you depend on the functioning of me in this body, and we are all in Christ together. So the point here, right off the bat, and I want you to take note of, is that we all, we all, okay, you're going to see this as a theme. We all have gifts. That's every single one of you, you bring something to the table, You bring multiple things to the table. Every single one of you. And it's different. We all have different things that we bring to the table. And that's not supposed to be a negative thing. Paul even warns us, look, think of yourself with sober judgment because you and I have a tendency to use our differences to divide with one another that we're not the same. Well, guess what? It's supposed to be that way. You know, in marriages, sometimes it's the differences that lead to conflict. Guys, that's for your growth. It's a good thing. if you can see it with maturity. We all have different, complementary and essential gifts, spiritual gifts to share with each other. Look no further than verse six for support. We all have different, complementary. They work together and essential. You know, Some of them are more,, uh, you know, impressive on a stage than others. But even if it's like, you know, the role of that tiny little rubber gasket that seems insignificant on its own, man, that thing needs to be in there and functioning properly if the body is going to function. That's the same for every single one of us. So naturally, I think the next question is we all wonder, well, what are my gifts? I want to do this, you know, let's get into this conversation. Because we all like talking about ourselves. We all like doing personality tests. You know, you know your color code and what animal you are and what letter you are in the alphabet and all that kind of stuff. Your Enneagram code that decodes all that you are as a human and and like the spiritual gifts thing you can go online right and take a five-minute test it's like the internet tells you what God is doing in your life you know we love taking these things we want to know what are my gifts let's think about it what are the ones that are listed right here we've got prophecy service teaching encouragement giving leading showing mercy You guys see yourself in the list yet? You're like, I don't know. Well, there's another list here. Let's go here. You know, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we got an addition to those gifts. Gifts of wisdom, gifts of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, discernment, tongues, the interpretation of tongues, these roles and giftings of apostle, teacher, of helping, of administration. Are you in the list yet? Ephesians 4, we got a couple extra ones. We got shepherd, evangelist. Do you feel included? I mean, some of you are like, yeah, I know what my gifts are. I'm totally included. I'm an evangelist, you know, or I prophesy, you know, and you're just like waving that banner going, that's me. And others of you are like, "Eh, I think I was somewhere in the list. I think you said something about, what was it, service or mercy or something like that. You kind of feel like you're almost relegated to the fringes of the gifts. Like you got to look a little hard for your role. It kind of feels like maybe you felt this before in like literature class in high school when you're reading a Shakespeare play out loud and everybody gets assigned the roles and there's like eight speaking roles and like like 10 others that are just extras and they get like one speaking line you know the person that comes in from stage right and says the king is here and then you're done that's all you have and so everyone gets assigned all their roles to talk all class long and there you are and some of you are like really grateful for it you're like Thinking about it the whole time until it's your moment. But a lot of you are like, wow, okay, cool, guys. I'll just listen to all of you, all class, and then wait for my big moment to shine, you know? That's how some of us feel in the spiritual gifts conversation, like we've been relegated to the side. But I want to be clear that as we talk about how the Lord has gifted each of us in different ways, that this is not a bunch of all inclusive lists, as if these are the defined boundaries of all that you could possibly contribute to the family of God. If so, the Corinthians would be missing the gifts of the Romans because they don't have the same list. And if so, the Romans would also be missing the gifts that are happening in the church at Ephesus. In each setting, Paul is simply making the point that I made earlier that we are all bringing different things to the table. They're all spirit-empowered distinctives and they're all complementary and essential. But he's also making this point. They are all also spiritual they're all spiritual, not just some of them. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 6. Paul says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of working, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, some of you may be thinking in this conversation, if you're following along, is the same Spirit of God really at work in someone who affects miracles as in someone who shows someone mercy? Is the same Spirit of God at work in someone who has a power of healing someone else in prayer as in somebody who has a gift of helping? Is the same Spirit empowering both of those different works? Well, that's most certainly what Paul is asserting here all of the spiritual gifts are spiritual and a work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, am I only Andrew Shea when I preach on a stage? Is that me? I mean, that may be the way that you know me, but am I still Andrew when I go home and on a Monday I'm doing landscaping in my house? Am I still Andrew when I'm doing accounting and taxes for my wife's business? Am I still Andrew Shea when I'm changing out a diaper in my household, which I do a lot of? These are different functions that I have, but it's the same in me in all of these different environments. And so Paul is saying the same thing of the Holy Spirit. There's all these different functions and expressions of the Spirit. It's the same Spirit of God at work in every single one of these settings. Now again, as I've said countless times in this series, our conventional definition of spirituality and how the Spirit works among us is often confined and compartmentalized into these single lanes and modes you know, like, oh, the Spirit of God, spirituality is captured in these overt displays of power. Or in some Christian subcultures, into moments of emotional, spiritual ecstasy. Even standing against, in that case, what Paul says clearly in First Corinthians chapter 14. Empowered by the Spirit, he says, no, 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 no. you got to be grounded. The Spirit of God is correcting what some people think is the work of the Spirit of God. And my question in all this, when we confine the Spirit's work and we narrow down these definitions of spirituality, what does the Spirit of God think about all this? How does He feel about it? When He listens, oh, that's the only thing that I do in the church? He says, this is the only way to encounter me and understand me is through this emotional ecstasy that I've said you need to have grounded As you worship me with your spirit and with your mind engaged at the same time. That's all I do, guys. You know, some cultures of the church will even call themselves a compartmentalized word and spirit church. And I understand what they're trying to communicate, but I really believe that's a false distinction. Okay, it's as if they've got over here a culture where they preach sound doctrine from the word of God. And then they'll practice over here the supernatural powers of the Spirit and experience this emotional ecstasy by the living presence of God. They say, we're this and we're this over here. But do they know that the Scriptures themselves, Paul himself teaches that teaching is a supernatural power because it comes by way of the Holy Spirit. And if we all agree together that everything that Jesus said is everything that is spiritual, then the words of Jesus are spiritual words, right? Jesus is the Word. The Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Jesus is God himself. So there isn't a single aspect of our Christianity that isn't enabled by God's Spirit among us. And that's why even service of God's people, when it's committed in God's name, is a supernatural experience. Because it is not us alone that is doing the serving, but it is Christ working through us. Peter agrees in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11. Each of you, because we're talking about all of you, each of you in the body of Christ should use whatever gift you've received. you all got different gifts. Use whatever it is to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength of God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, why am I working so hard to break down these distinctions and open our vision to see the Spirit more broadly at work in our lives? Because so many have made God's Spirit and the work of the Spirit elusive and confusing. So many people today who are Christians wonder, as a result, where he is. They wonder, are they feeling him and sensing him and knowing him at all? Because of some of the definitions and the way that we compartmentalize His work. Many feel spiritually disadvantaged and are made to feel spiritually disadvantaged because their experience is not that of another. It's because these false definitions and distinctions around the Holy Spirit have put something like a blindfold on us, To the Spirit's work. And it's like we're playing this game of hide and seek with Him. Where is He? Oh, He's just in this area over here. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If we just take off the blindfold that we've created, we realize this is not a game of hide and seek with God's Spirit. He's standing right in front of our faces. In fact, He is filling us in every aspect of our walk with Christ. God is not elusive. The Spirit of God is not distant from you. He is working in you at all times to bring about Christ through your life. He's using you if you offer even a cup of cold water to a brother or sister in need. And you are encountering him through all your brothers and sisters around you as we all move toward harmony with the holy love of God. You may not feel him in any particular way in your physical equilibrium. I've been a part of cultures where they go, well, this is what the Spirit is going to feel like in your body. You may not feel him in any one particular way in your physical equilibrium. But when a brother or sister in this church community feels compelled by the Spirit of God to speak a word of encouragement over you, it is not their word alone, but it is God himself who is putting courage into you. You are encountering God. Have you had eyes to see him moving among us? Let's say you're on moving day. Moving day is one of the hardest days of your life, right? You're on moving day. And God prompts one of your brothers or sisters to help you on moving day. It is God himself who is helping you on moving day. Okay, let's say you're sitting with a Christian therapist who has a gift of emotional healing, right? And they depend on God to do the work that they do. And you experience emotional healing in that relationship. It is not that therapist themselves, it is God who is bringing about that result. Just the same if that result were affected through somebody praying over you and having that particular gift. Let's say someone is administrating or coordinating an event that actually brings together God's people and brings about a godly purpose. The only reason that they are using those gifts, those qualities and characteristics to bring about this kingdom purpose is because God is at work in them. It is God himself who is coordinating those events. We need to see God in all of it, guys. It's all spiritual. But a lot of us are like you know how we were as kids when we conceived of the role of our parents. You know, when we were kids, we weren't thinking about, oh, my mom and dad are taking the time to bathe me. Oh, they go to work and work all day so that they can pay bills so that there's a roof over my head. And they labored over this meal at the end of that long day. You don't think about that as a kid until you wise up in your 20s and you got to do it for yourself. Up until that moment, you just take it all for granted. You just are clean. You just operate and you're just clean. You're bathed, you know. There's a roof over your head your belly is just full but all the while behind every bit of it has been the work of your parents we've got to see that same work of god behind everything that is our christianity behind it all is god it's all spiritual it's all the work of god our error is to conceive of too many of these aspects of our faith as wholly mundane and without god to give god too little credit we need to open our spiritual eyes, and as Peter says right here, in all things, we need to praise God through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever. Amen. That's why you're speaking, you're speaking the very words of God. You're serving with the very strength that Christ provides so that he'll be praised, so that we'll know he's at work in all these different environments. So I think when we understand the work of the Spirit among us, the true nature of spirituality. I hope it doesn't just enable us to acknowledge the abundant evidence of God all around us and to more accurately see how he is working in our lives, but I hope it prompts each of us to follow in the way that he's guiding us to contribute. Okay, as we think about this, when we're feeling that prompting to encourage, when we're feeling that prompting to serve, when we're feeling that prompting to pray for healing over someone, when we're feeling that prompting to help organize something that's very disorganized, I hope that you would open your eyes to see that's not just me doing the prompting, but this is the living presence of God prompting me to do something that may be the very means of God to build someone else up, to maybe even save a soul because you're going to preach the gospel to them. You're like, oh, I don't know if I should. I don't know. If it accords with Christ and with his word, trust the Spirit's leading and walk in it. Open your eyes to see the Spirit's leading in your life so that you say yes to those promptings because that could be the very means of God to build someone else up. For God's purpose in giving you and I spiritual gifts was that you and I would use them to build others up. Take note of that, okay? The reason we received spiritual gifts and all the differences and all their variety, they're all spiritual, even though they haven't always been conceived of that way. The reason was that we would use them. We would follow those promptings. And we would build others up as a result. If you're not utilizing them, if you're not contributing, then the body is not benefiting. And if the body is not benefiting, then you are not benefiting because you are a part of the body and you belong to everyone else here. That's what Paul says. It's sort of like if you get hired for a company and you get stock options. It's like if you fulfill your role, we're incentivizing you. You fulfill your role and you benefit from it. You get a share in the results. That's the same way that God built the church. He says, as you bring what you bring to the table, the body is built up and you belong to that body. And as a result, you are built up. You get a share in it. That's the church. And in closing, I want to mention that there are two common things today, ways of conceiving of Christianity and the church and spirituality that I think would be absolutely inconceivable to Jesus and to the apostles. If you understand the truth, it's inconceivable to you. Number one, there's this idea that you could be a follower of Christ but not participate in the fellowship, in the church. How can that be when you understand the truth of the scriptures? How can you say that you have a part in Christ but you're not joined to his living body? How can you say you have a part in Christ if you're not joined to what is deemed his body? We're called the members of Christ in the scriptures. Neither you nor I was built to be a self-sufficient Christian. That is not the way that we were designed. I know that that's a real strong value in our society. Increasingly, as we feel we can't depend on anyone, and there's all this fear about where society... We want to be self-sufficient. We don't want to rely on anyone at all. You were not designed that way. There is no way for you to fulfill even the teachings of Jesus unless you have someone else in front of you to fulfill those teachings of love with. And beyond that, you can say, oh, I can go encounter God on my own. I just, you know, I'm a lone ranger. I get everything I need from my personal relationship with Jesus. There's no evidence of that in the scriptures being the case. Yes, we can relate to God. Yes, God is filling us with his presence, but he made you at a disadvantage so that you would go to your brothers and sisters and be filled up in what you are lacking. You are made different. You're not the, you know, end all be all of Christianity you can't possibly be that because you were made to need others and they were made to need you so number two there is absolutely no way that jesus or the apostles could ever conceive of a christ follower breezing from attendance here to attendance there sunday participation and casual uncommitted acquaintances there's no way he could conceive that because we've had live streams going for a year That even though you have no conviction against being here, you're just going to kick up your feet on the couch every single Sunday because it's more comfortable. He could never conceive of that being an expression of the fullness of church. A part of the body that does not contribute but draws life is atrophied muscle, it's a torn tendon, it's a benign growth. So I want to invite you, I want to call you, my beloved, my brothers and sisters. Don't depart from this fellowship. Don't depart from any other fellowship. But step in. Be joined to the body of Christ. Work with the rest of the body of Christ. As you bring to the table what is unique, the spirit-empowered distinctives that God has made you to use for the benefit of others, as you bring those to the table, step in and also receive so much because you were made to receive as well from those brothers and sisters who are already gathered here. Don't orbit what God's doing. Don't be a spectator on what God is doing. Be joined to the body. That's where the spirit is at work. That's true spirituality. You know, part of this response, we can always spiritualize everything and say, okay, well, let's pray about that. Yeah, we need to pray about that. Some of you just need to go fill out a connection card. And you think, oh, that's not very spiritual. Have we broken that down a little bit? <laughs> getting into relationships with people, going through some of the steps, saying hi, meeting people, getting into their lives, you know, doing the work to be known and knowing others, opening up in vulnerability for the first time. These are all steps you say, oh, that's unspiritual. That's the context of living the Christian life. So it's spiritual. To go get a connection card. And it's spiritual for someone to organize all that information and reach out to you and connect you with a resource because it's all for a God-honoring purpose and it's going to build you up in Christ. Go out there, step into the Young Lives Fundraiser and say, okay, this work is going on around me. I'm not going to live in my little insulated bubble from this last year. I'm breaking out of it. I'm going to be a part of something that God is doing to bless others beyond myself in partnership with the body, with all my other brothers and sisters. We can do more together. We wouldn't be doing it at all if we weren't doing it together so that's part of the response it's right there out on the patio and the other part we do need to pray let's pray together lord jesus part of this prayer is just giving you honor and glory and praise you deserve more credit than we give you credit for we we need to see you at work holy spirit from the most you know mundane things as we would deem them lord jesus you did those things And you said that they were the great things. So how is it that we think those aren't the spiritual things? Lord, there are parts of the body that naturally get presented on a stage and everyone lauds and thinks, oh, that's spiritual. It says that in the scriptures. We don't need to give any extra honor there. We need to make sure all these other parts, you know, that little head gasket, that little piece of rubber that seems so insignificant, so significant. Lord, would that be this body? Would we know that? In all the differences, in all the different workings, in all the different acts of service, Lord, it is the same spirit at work in each of us. And when I hear a word of encouragement from my brother brought by you, Lord, that is you speaking encouragement into my life. And when I'm helped by a brother or sister, that is you helping. And when truth and conviction is spoken over me, Lord Jesus, that is you speaking truth and conviction. If it accords with you and your word, let's give you credit, God. And may we all serve with the energy that you provide. May we all speak with the words that you give us. May we all work out these giftings, empowered by your one Holy Spirit to benefit this one body under you, our one Lord. Lord, move each of us to greater participation. Move each of us to worship you, to see you abundantly. Some have been so discouraged because they've heard, oh, your Holy Spirit is only in this one little category and they couldn't find you there and so they left. Lord, break down those definitions that we built that we could see you at work all around us and in us. Encourage your body, Jesus, I pray. As we lift our praise to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Branches HB Podcast. For more information on branches, you can visit our website at branchesHB.com. Or stay up to date with us on Instagram at BranchesHB. As always, we'd love to have you at one of our Sunday gatherings. So come visit us at 8.30 a.m., 10 30 a.m. Locations are available on our website. Thanks again and we'll see you next time.